Thanks for checking out the New Life Speakers podcast. All of our speakers are recorded live at our AA meeting held on Friday nights at 8 p.m. at the Atonement Church in Wyomissing, Pennsylvania. Our group is self-supporting through the seven traditions, so if you enjoy this podcast, please consider donating. You can do this with either Venmo or PayPal at New Life Speakers. Links to these can be found on our website, newlifespeakers.org, or you can use the link in the description. We greatly appreciate your generosity. More information about recovery and our upcoming events can also be found on our website. Again, that's newlifespeakers.org. And if you know some people in need, please share this with them. And of course, don't forget to subscribe. Hi, I'm Michelle. I'm an alcoholic. Thank you for that very heartfelt introduction. Callie, I really appreciated that one. No, it's okay. Um, All right. All right. So, um... I guess I'll just start with um, my sobriety date is January 25th, 2018. Uh, That just happened, so that's why I'm speaking. I just celebrated four years, um, and that's a fucking miracle. Uh, And we're supposed to come up here. I, well, I have a sponsor. I do sponsor other young women. I've been through the 12 steps. Um, I'm actually going through for my second time now, so that's pretty cool. So I guess I'll just start with what it was like, what happened, what it's like now. Um, I was born and raised in Pennsylvania. I never left here my entire life. Um, I was actually born in uh, State College um, by both my parents were two people that should have never procreated ever. Um, I never saw my parents together. They got divorced like shortly after I was born. Um, and so I never saw them together and like, thank God I never did. Cause like my parents separately, bad enough. Um, they didn't need to be together and you get those two in a room. They actually even, I just recently got married and, uh, you know, I invited my dad to the wedding. Uh, I had to toggle with that one a little bit, but, uh, my dad was like still talking shit on my mom. We've been divorced for like 20 years. My dad's still talking shit on my mom the day of my wedding. It's like, oh, I hope your mom's medicated for the wedding. It's like, shut the fuck up. Um, but my dad's an alcoholic, so uh, that makes sense that he would hold that resentment for 20 years. Um, and I come from a long line of alcoholics. Um, it was kind of no question that, like, when I was an alcoholic, I, I wasn't surprised. Um, I mean, my mom's dad's an alcoholic. My dad's dad was an alcoholic. My dad's an alcoholic. Uncles are alcoholics, cousins, alcoholics, addicts, like, it's just, it runs, it runs through my veins. Um, so I, I think that I was born this way. Um, I don't think that there's anything really that throughout my story that like made me an alcoholic. There's nobody to blame. Um, you know, that's, I think that that's just how it was. I know there's a big debate over, um, Oh, what do they call it? Um, Nurture versus nature. Uh, That whole thing. Um, I don't know. I just never really thought that deep into it. And I was just like, well, it makes sense. They say it's hereditary. So here I am. Um, So yeah, I mean, I won't go like too deep into every little, you know, fucked up thing I ever did. uh, Just because it's not necessary. Um... And I'm sure everybody here has sort of the same things. It all kind of circles back, just different circumstances. Um, 
All I know is that growing up, I was like terrified all the time. I was so scared of people. Um, from a young age, I was so like afraid of like talking to people. I was like latched onto my mom all the time. Um, and anytime like my mom like tried to go have a life that like an adult woman should have, I was like, nah, we're here, we're tight. Like you're not going anywhere. Like I need you here. Um, so I was just so scared and I always say like, uh, I feel like everybody in life had like gotten the handbook and like I was in the bathroom when they were giving those out because like I just had no fucking idea. I was like, how do people do this? Like how do people like just go up and like introduce themselves to like another six year old and like ask them to be your friend? Like that's terrifying. Um, and I don't know like when that happened because like when I was like a young kid, I I wasn't afraid of anybody or anything and I had a smart ass mouth too. So like I'm the type of person and I still am and it gets me into trouble uh, from like a really young age, I would just say whatever was on my mind, no matter what it was. Um, and whether that like hurt somebody or got me into trouble, it never stopped me. Um, so I don't know like what changed where I got so like afraid of people, but I just remember like once I was kind of like, I don't know, socially cognizant, I was just like, no, nope, this shit's scary. I don't want to talk to other people. Um, so yeah, I mean, like I grew up pretty much being afraid. I, I didn't have a lot of friends um, just because like it, I don't know, it was scary. And I didn't want to hang out with other kids my age. Like I just want to stay home with my mom. That's it. I felt safe with my mom. I felt safe at home. Um, you know, I, I didn't really like get, get along well with other kids, things like that. I just felt uneasy and myself ever since I was like really, really tiny, um, just not good. Um, and I heard one of my friends like say this when he shared his story one time that, um, you know, the first addiction that he ever had was attention. And like, I always thought like, oh, this might've been like my first, but that just hit so good because like my first addiction was attention and I would do anything to get it whether it was good attention bad attention i wanted it and i didn't want it like necessarily from like external people like i didn't want it in public i didn't want but like i needed attention from like the people that were close to me so like my parents you know my brother my brother oh my god he hated me growing up because i was just like up his ass all the time um and he was three years older than i was so he was literally like, get away from me like I you're my little sister I don't like you um and I was like no I want to be with you like just like let me sit and watch you play video games because you know I was that annoying little sister um but yeah that was that was probably and like when I got that attention it felt amazing and when I didn't get that attention I fucking lost it couldn't even cope I was like I need it to survive um and so yeah so that really kind of like hit really good because you know, I never really thought about that, but it made made a whole lot of sense. Um, so yeah, my parents, they were divorced from like a super young age. Uh, it happens to a lot of kids nowadays. I mean, like when I went through elementary school, middle school, high school, to find kids that like had two parents that were together was rare. Uh, you didn't see it a lot, um, you know. And so it wasn't really like an abnormal thing where I was like, oh, my kids with like divorced parents. A lot of kids had divorced parents. You know, that wasn't like a big, but my parents had like a super messy divorce. Like it was like this 12 year, like drawn out thing. Um, 
And it was just like a mess for everybody. You know, cops were being called, all this different shit. Just like stuff that like, you know, an elementary school kid just like, I don't know, in my opinion, shouldn't have had to deal with all because like they hated each other. But it did a number on me and my brother growing up. I mean, you know, and my parents would consistently, you know, talk shit and all that stuff that like divorced parents do when they're angry. Um, but you know, it did a number on us and you know, as I got older, um, I kind of noticed, you know, when my mom started dating again, like, you know, she wouldn't, she wouldn't be around anymore. Uh, and you know, probably when I was like six or seven, my mom got like a new boyfriend and, um, that was like kind of it. Like she was like this guy's girlfriend. She wasn't my mom anymore. Um, and that was like my mom's own thing that she dealt with. Uh, you know, she would kind of jump from abusive relationship to abusive relationship. And um, I don't fault her for that now. I was really angry when I was a kid. Um, Cause this guy was like, oh, we don't, I don't really care for your kids. Like you move into my house and like, I don't really care what happens to your kids. And I was like, fuck you. Um, I don't fault her for that now though. Cause that was her own, that was her own shit. Like parents have trauma too, that they have to deal with. You know, it's, they're humans. I thought my emotions were the most important thing. I was too young to realize that. And, you know, I said, in the past growing up, my dad was an alcoholic. Um, I've never seen my dad sober. My dad has been drinking for oh, probably close to 30 years now. Um, and I... The whole thing about inviting my dad to my wedding, I really didn't want to because uh, I don't have a good relationship with my dad. I'll answer his text, stuff like that. But um, to me, just like having him there was just like, okay. But uh, I know that my dad probably doesn't have like too much time left on this earth. And like, I didn't want to rob him of walking his only daughter down the aisle because I would feel like shit if I did that. And um, I'm sure even in his alcoholic stupor, even though he never calls, never texts, never does anything like that, he probably does, you know, have emotions and miss his kids and would probably think about that at night. Um, but yeah, I mean, like growing up, we did the whole every other weekend thing with my parents, you know, all that bullshit. And uh, it was messy. There's a lot of drama at home. So, you know, I was a, I was a pretty bright kid. So I was like, I was good enough to kind of like skate through school without trying. Um, I was blessed enough to like be able to just like it wasn't that I was like intelligent. I was just like kind of good at like solving problems, which is like what school was to me, which is like problem solving. Um, so I didn't really like have to try too much. And I had a relatively like, I mean like my parents were fucked up, but like other kids had it worse. I mean like there was never a time where like I didn't have food on the table or, you know, I always had clothes to wear. Um, you know, there was never a time, and my mom, regardless, you know, she did work hard as a single mom to, like, keep me and my brother clothed and fed and, and all that stuff. So, you know, it could have been a lot worse, but it did leave me with a lot of feelings that I had no idea what to do with. Um, and, I mean, eh, you know, I was in therapy probably from the time that I could walk and on psych meds since I was 11 and um, all that. So... You know, I'm just walking around with all these feelings that I don't, I don't know what to do with. The older I get, I start to get a little more uncomfortable with myself. Um, start to get a little more uneasy. Uh, and before I even 
got even picked up like I don't know about like picked up a drink so like my dad was an alcoholic growing up so like he would he would give us alcohol all the time I mean so like from the time that like I was like yay high you know my dad would be like here try this or here try this so I couldn't tell you like when my first drink was um and I don't really remember like the first time that I actually like felt the effects of alcohol but um even before I did any of that uh I was in a situation where I was like living with my dad at the time doing that whole thing um hated going to school um had kind of dabbled in self-harm at that point you know I was depressed a lot of different things a lot of feelings a lot of you know different abuse going on whatnot and um I had had my first suicide attempt when I was 14 and it was really dumb because what I did was I didn't want to go to school that day and I was like, fuck, I'll literally do anything to not go to school. Wasn't thinking I was 14. I just took like a whole bottle of like whatever pills I had. They were like fucking allergy medication. Um, so I didn't know. And my mom would like joke about it later, which is kind of fucked up. But she still does kind of like, she's like, remember that time you took all that allergy medication? Well, my dad like freaked out, of course, when we went to the hospital. That was the first time that like I got a... A fun little hotel stay somewhere for five days um no it was eight days yeah it was eight days and um I was like I was in the eighth grade like I was so young I was so fragile I had a particularly sh like sheltered life you know I wasn't like really around anything that was like too crazy so I'd go into this like you know this lockdown facility and there's like these girls there that have like they've seen some shit. Like these girls are probably like 15, 16, 17. I'm like 14. And they're, they're, they've seen some shit. They're a lot more mature than I am. They've been through a lot more. I'm like in here, this little girl, like, I'm like, I just took a bunch of allergy pills. And like, there's girls in there that are like, ugh, just some awful shit that they've been through. So that was scary. Um, but like, ultimately I was like, well, yeah, that's kind of like what I get. I came out and they set you up with like all this help. They were like, well, we want you to feel safe. And so you get a therapist. I never took any of that shit seriously. I was like, whatever, just going to do it. Take my meds, go to school, do what I can. Um, and then as I got a little bit older, I, you know, started to kind of get around people. Like I said, I had a shelter childhood. So around people where like kids would, drink and they would do drugs and stuff like that and you know I was always interested in alcohol because I had saw like I seen my dad drink a lot as a kid and I knew that from a really young age that when like dad came upstairs to put me to bed at night and his breath smelled different dad seemed different um he seemed like light and happy and that was like 9 a.m. or 9 p.m. drunk for my dad. Uh, once you get to like 11 p.m. drunk with my dad, that's when you have to start like walking on eggshells a little bit. But uh, 9 p.m. drunk for my dad was like, you know, happy, light, you know, seemed relaxed, seemed nice. So I was kind of interested. I was like, because I didn't know why like adults drank, because I was like, that just, it tastes like garbage. I don't know why y'all do that. Um, so, you know, here and there, I would like, sneak into like my dad's like liquor cabinet and I would like drink a little bit and I'd be like that tastes awful and then I just put it back um 
So like, it wasn't like the first time I ever had alcohol in my system. It was like this huge change. And I was like, I need more of it. Um, that was like probably after the first time that I felt the effects of alcohol, um, hadn't touched any other drugs other than the allergy medication that I decided to take, but, um, anything like that. And I got drunk for the first time and it felt fucking amazing. Uh, I won't put it any other way. It was that first time and I'll never get that. I never had that feeling ever again after that first time. I will remember it for the rest of my life. Um, nothing bad happened and I didn't get sick. Um, you know, it was, I just felt like all this shit that I've been carrying around in this big, heavy fucking backpack my whole life and the bat that I was just beating myself with my whole life, all that shit just dropped. I didn't have to think about it anymore. I didn't have to deal with it. I didn't have to feel like my skin was crawling and who I was. Um, and like another plus was like, I could talk to people without like being like, oh my God, like what do they think of me? Like, this is so weird. I hate this feeling. I'm so anxious. Like I could like talk to people and like make friends and, and people liked me. Um, cause I mean, when, when you're like getting fucked up at a party, everybody likes everybody until they don't. But, um, so like after that, it wasn't immediate where I was like, I need this every chance I get. Um, I just knew it was a really good experience. And if the time arose where I got to do that experience again, I would definitely do it. Um, as I got older, uh, you know, going through, I had the same issues. I was just a really depressed kid growing up. Yeah, I was. Uh, you know, like I said, I, I dabbled in self-harm quite a bit. That had come, like, become an addiction on its own. Um, got to a point where, like, I would have to do that before I went to school every morning. Anything that, like, would start to, like, get me out of myself, I, like, really liked doing. Um, I wouldn't say it was, like, full-blown, like, addiction, but, like, I kind of started like dip my toes and like things that probably weren't good for me, but like really just got me out of myself. Um, and as I got older, I became exposed. People start, you know, offering you more stuff or you just find out where to find it. And, um, you know, I just started doing it more often. And, uh, I, uh, I started doing some other stuff too, not just drinking. And, Drugs are a big part of my story, um, you know, and alcohol was like always like the always like the backup thing, though. Like I was like, well, you know, we can get drunk today, but like I really liked drugs. Like <laughs> drugs were like where I found found myself in it. But uh, alcohol was always like around. Uh, and when I started getting into things that were a little more than just like your average teen drinking. Um, you know, I get into pills. I really liked, I was a big opioid fan. Um, thankfully, you know, throughout my story, I never like never got to the point where I stuck a needle in my arm. God bless. Um, but like the more and more I started to do, the better I started to feel and the stronger things were. I was like, this is it. This is how I do life. This is how 
I get through this life in which is just sadness and depression and I don't want to fucking deal with it. And like, I can just do this forever and feel fine. Uh, you can't do that. Uh, lots of things stop you from doing that. Um, I used to, you know, take so many pills that I'd throw up, I would overdose, all that stuff. Um, you know, there had been a couple stints where I OD'd and I ended up in another fun little stay. Um, but it didn't really start coming to like a point until, you know, I was, I had found like, I was never really like a big, like pot smoker, but like, you know, I probably started smoking like a lot of pot when I was, I was probably like a late bloomer. I was probably like 18 by the time I was like, so I would like smoke pot every day. And then I would find like other things that I could do. And then I would at least get drunk, like. I don't know, I would probably say like four or five nights a week. Um, and to me, like that was normal because like all my friends were smoking pot every day. So I was like, it's fine. Uh, all my friends were getting drunk every night. It's fine, we're fine. Uh, I was sick every day. Um, I never showed up to school. Uh, you know, teachers would be emailing my mom being like, your kid hasn't been at school for like, two weeks like where is she and my mom would be like I don't know I'm at my husband's house like I don't watch that kid like I don't know where she's at um and I there had been a whole like year where I just laid in my bed and I just like for a whole entire year I did like online school I just laid in my bed I got fucked up and I didn't go anywhere and my mom would pop in every once in a while and again I don't know if she knew she might have and not know what to do she might not have. My mom's a pretty naive lady. Um, very sheltered woman too. Uh, so I don't know if she knew or not. If she did know, I don't blame her for not knowing what the fuck to do. Because uh, I didn't know what to do. And it's really hard when you're in that situation and you have a child. And I mean, what do you do with that? Um, so, you know, I'm going through life and I'm Big thing too, like I'm, I'm getting into like boys. I'm like, oh, I love getting attention from men now. Like it's my favorite thing. And like, it's even better when I can get attention from men that also like give me drugs and alcohol for free. Um, so, you know, that became like a big thing. I probably definitely should have gotten serial killed a couple times by some of the people that I ended up meeting. Uh, Cause like I would have done anything. I would like drive all the way from like, I you know, I grew up in like Burnville where I live now. I would like drive all the way to like Lancaster to like meet some stranger from the internet. And like, I'd like show up and it'd be like a totally different dude than it was in the pictures. I remember one time I went in this guy's house and he just had like a big knife sticking out of the middle of his table. And I was like, what's that about? He's like, oh, my roommate's a little weird. I'm like, all right. I stayed, I did, I did, I did his drugs and then I left. Uh, so I put myself in a lot of sketchy situations in that point. Um, but anyway, you know, those are just like some of the fun little details. Uh, but, uh, it just kind of got progressively worse. Um, my use just got more and more as every, all of ours do. Uh, and I guess I didn't realize that I, couldn't stop because I never wanted to stop. Uh, yeah, I felt like shit. There had been times where I was like, I'm gonna kill myself, but I was like, no, 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 like drugs and alcohol are the answer. They're not the problem. 
Everything else is the problem. Everybody else that's, you know, I'm hurting because I'm doing this, they're the problem. Uh, I'm not the problem, and drugs and alcohol definitely aren't the problem. Um, so I didn't know that I couldn't stop until I tried to stop. Um, and I didn't even know, like, I had a problem. First, when I came in AA, I didn't even know I had a problem with alcohol. I was like, I definitely have a drug problem, but I, I don't know about alcohol. And uh, I came in here and I heard other people, you know, talk about, they're like, well, it's not how much you drank or how often you drank, it's how you drank. Um, and I was like, oh, because I was never a type of person where I wake up at 7 a.m. and, you know, drink. That was gross to me. I wasn't doing that. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't get, you know, the DTs. It, was, it wasn't that bad, which is probably what I was like, I don't, I don't have a drinking problem. It's not that bad. Um, but then when I came in here and I heard other people say, like, you know, when I pick up a drink, there's just literally I have no control of when I stop. And I was like, shit, that makes sense. Because literally every time I drank, I would get fucking blacked out and I would end up somewhere where I didn't know. I was vomiting. I had alcohol poisoning more times than I can count. Um, but, like... I just didn't even know. I, th I was like, well, this is, I was like, maybe I just like need to eat before I drink or maybe like I don't need to eat and I don't know, maybe I'm doing this wrong. No, I was just like an alcoholic. So, um, so yeah, I didn't even, um, didn't even occur to me, uh, that I had a drinking problem, but I knew I had a drug problem. Um, and I didn't even like, I didn't know a whole lot about AA, uh, cause you know, my dad was an alcoholic, but he never got sober and I'd seen it in movies like everybody does and I was like oh that's weird but um you know I didn't learn about AA until I had some people in my life that went to AA and uh <laughs> I uh I remember you know I was doing my thing like I do and I was like on fucking tinder you know matching with dudes or whatever and this one dude pops up and I'm like okay listen I'm like hey do you want to like do drugs together he's like no I don't do that I'm like, what do you mean you don't do that? He's like, oh, I haven't, I haven't drank or used drugs in four years. Like, I'm clean and sober. I'm like, that's weird. Uh, and I was like, well, we can hang out anyway. <laughs> I was like, I'll just get, like, drunk before I show up or high before I show up. And then we can hang out. So that's cool. Um, and, you know, I started dating this guy. And he would, like, go to these weird little meetings Friday night. I was like, I'm just going to stay home and smoke. Like, it's fine. <laughs> uh, you know, I'll be here when you get back. Um and, you know, it's, uh, enough time goes by, and for some reason, you know, that guy decides to stay with me. Um, also on top of that, like, not only was I an addict, but, and an alcoholic, but I was fucking crazy. Um, I didn't know what a healthy relationship was at all. Uh, I still am totally codependent. Um, I have an anger problem. And all these things, like, just because I put down a drink and a drug, like, still have these things. They still crop up. If I'm not spiritually fit, like, these things can start popping up. I don't have to pick up a drink or a drug to become a real fucking shitty person. Um, but, you know, picking up a drink or a drug doesn't help at all. Um, so, yeah, stay together. And, uh, you know, 
now I'm like in this safe little hut where like my mom's not bugging me anymore about like drinking and doing drugs and like but now this guy I'm with is like hey like I think you like kind of have a problem and I'm like I don't have a problem like you had a problem uh, like all the stuff that you did I've heard your stories like you had a problem I don't have a problem though like if I wasn't the problem wasn't whether to me I didn't get in a whole lot of trouble I was really young and I kind of kept like all my usage like within the confines of my house. Uh, I didn't like to like go out and party. I like to kind of like keep all my stuff to myself. Um, so I didn't get in a lot of trouble with the law. I mean, my mom was on my back every now and again, but that didn't really matter to me. Um, so I didn't get in a lot of trouble. Uh, I just, when I was sober, I wanted to die. I fucking hated living sober. It sucked. Every moment that I was not intoxicated by whatever it was, um, I literally didn't want to be alive. Uh, existence was just fucking pain. And I would have these absolute meltdowns when I couldn't get what I needed. And, you know, this guy that I was living with, he like, yeah, now I know you like really have a problem. You need to do something about it. Or like, this is not gonna like work out at all. Um, and I remember the night, I remember January 25th, 2018, um, I had run out of, and I, I could never rub two pennies together, no matter if I had a job or not, uh, all the money that I had, I would blow anyway, and, uh, so I never had any, like, consistent money, so ran out of everything that I needed, um, I had a boyfriend, so I couldn't just go not... I would try to, like, be like, hey, I know I have a boyfriend, but, like, do you just want to, like, hang out and, like, get me drunk and then, like, you leave? Uh, yeah, that's still, like, cheating, by the way. That's still really fucked up to do, regardless if you, you know, do anything. Mm, probably not good. Um, so I was out of all the things. I didn't have somebody that I was with that was supplying it to me. So I was, like, fucked. And I was like, well... Starting to get a lot of kickback from this, and I don't really like it. And I mean, I'm depressed. I want to die. Uh, so I was like, "Fuck it, let's die." And uh, I was like, "I can't keep living this way. This sucks. I'm sick all the time. I don't want to live life not sober. The stress of like trying to get money all the time just to like feed this was exhausting. Uh, I mean, it was just like I was like, I don't want to do this shit anymore. But I don't know how to fucking stop. Uh, and I'm just like tired of it." Uh, so I was like, fuck it, let's, let's die tonight. And, uh, you know, I took loaded gun, put it to my head, uh, took the safety off and had every intention of killing myself. Um, and I didn't, um, the guy that I was with, he walked in on that. Uh, probably one of the shittiest things I ever did in my life was expose somebody else to that. Uh, that fucking sucks to come in and see somebody you love, like, holding a gun to their head and like about to end it like that's traumatizing um and you know he didn't know what, he didn't know what to do I don't, I don't blame him I mean I was a mess if I was if he was like I'm gonna call somebody I was out the door and that's how it went it was like I'm gonna call somebody and I was like I'm out I'm running in the middle of winter with no shoes shorts going out and that's what I did I ran out the door I didn't have anything on me and I didn't know what to do. I was so fucking stressed out. And, uh, you know, I, growing up, I, 
I heard of God, you know, I went to church. They were like, yeah, there's a big guy in the sky. And like, there's like stuff that you're not supposed to do or else like you go to hell. I even like dabbled in like a Christian camp for two weeks, which totally traumatized me. Cause they were like, if you don't ask Jesus to be your Lord and savior, you're going to burn in hell for eternity. And I'm like, six-year-old me I'm like okay I better do that and I'm like crying they're like she's having a spiritual experience me I'm just like afraid that I was gonna go to hell because like I didn't ask Jesus to be my savior I was like oh my god um but uh so like me my relationship with God was just always like yeah you're there but like what have you done for me like fuck you uh you know I don't I'll be like yeah if you get me out of this I'll really believe in you this time uh, never I was like ha fuck you <laughs> you got me out of it but I don't care <laughs> uh but I just remember uh, that night I ran outside and I like dropped my knees and I looked up at the sky. It was like probably 11 o'clock at night. It was freezing cold. And I hadn't spoken to God like probably since I was like a little kid. And I was just like looked up there and I was like, listen, I don't know if you're up there, but if you are up there, I don't know what to do, man. This shit's fucked. So either like kill me or like help me out of this because I don't know what to do. Um, and that was my sobriety date. And if I could just be like, yep, well, I never picked up a drink and a drug ever again. Bye. Like that would have been great. But, uh, no, I, uh, I kind of started to try and figure out ways where I could make my life a, a little bit, uh, easier. And I tried, I was like, maybe I can just try this sober thing. I mean, like what? what else is there to do I mean it can't get worse I've you know it's either that or die so um so I had a friend that wasn't this guy that I was with who was still fucking with me I don't know why <laughs> I was a mess um and I had a friend that was in the program and unfortunately she's not anymore but um I was like okay you need to take me to our first meeting because, like, I'm, I know, like, my boyfriend's not supposed to do it. I was like, that just sounds, I know I'm not supposed to do that. Uh, so, you know, I go to my first meeting. It was the Wilshire group. Uh, was that, they still have that at, like, 645. Yeah. Um, I remember going in and it was, like, in, it was in the church basement. It's like, all dark in there, too. I don't know why it was so dark that day. Uh, not that many people there, but I was so fucking scared. I was like... I was trembling it's like I, the first time in like years that I hadn't had like anything in my system and I had to be around people now and I was like don't look at me don't come near me certainly like don't talk to me because I don't know what to say and I remember they're like oh is there anybody new here and I like raised my hand I'm like what's up I'm Michelle and I didn't I wasn't like I'm an alcoholic you know and I was like fuck they're gonna remember that. They're gonna think about me. They're, I didn't say, hi, I'm Michelle, I'm an alcoholic. They're gonna think about that. Um, nope, that was my ego. Nobody thinks about that. I literally thought that everybody in that room was thinking about me and they weren't. <laughs> of course they weren't. I was just some fucking kid. Like, I was just some like drug addict kid walking in the room. Like they weren't thinking about me, especially not about like whether I introduced myself correctly. Um, so after that, I just kind of, I kept coming back because I, I realized that the people in those rooms weren't drunk, they weren't high, and they were happy. And I didn't know how to attain that. Uh, all I knew is like, there's gotta be something to this. Cause like these people are like laughing. They're like coming here, like on their own will. 
and they're like having dinner together afterwards like they like like each other that's weird um but i was like okay like i guess i'll kind of check this out um you know and uh so i kind of like keep coming around and you keep hearing the same things so, they're like you know get a sponsor get a home group uh all these different things keep hearing it over and over again i'm sitting in these meetings like white knuckling it just being like i can't drink can't use and i just keep hearing get a sponsor get a home group and i'm like i guess i should do that um so i'm like okay all right i'm gonna i'm gonna ask a woman to be my sponsor and i was like i was scared because i was like it's like asking somebody on a date i was like oh i gotta go ask her to be my sponsor and the first woman that asked to be my sponsor told me no. And um, I love her, and she's like one of my closest friends now, but the reason why she told me no was because we were too close of friends at that time. She's like, I just can't sponsor, like I can't sponsor you like that, like we're friends, I feel like that would get really weird. And I was just like, okay. I was heartbroken, but, um, you know, I didn't understand at the time, but I was heartbroken. And, um, but she gave me a number for somebody else that I could ask. And, you know, I, I asked her and she's like, yeah, absolutely. Let's, let's get together. And I think we met at like a Starbucks or something. Um, and you know, I got together. It's like, once again, weird. Cause I'm afraid of people. And I'm like, I feel like I'm going on a date with another woman. And like, I really want her to like me. And like, I want her to be my sponsor. I don't really know what that means, but like, I want her to like save me or something. <laughs> and, um, so, you know, I go and meet her and, you know, we talk about it and she, you know, opens up about her story and I'm like, that sounds like me. That sounds kind of like me. She's like, yeah. She's like, okay, we're going to go like go through this book. And I'm like, okay, cool. Um, so she starts taking me through the steps and, uh, I mean, it was kind of like we would just get together. We would do some reading, um, and she would really break it down for me, all the questions that I had. Because, like, we're just reading, like, literally the beginning of the book. And I'm asking all these fucking questions. Because I'm like, well, what does that word mean? Because to me, I'm like, first time you go through it, I'm like, this is written really weird. I was like, this is, she's like, yeah, it was written a really long time ago. And I was like, that makes sense. I don't know what any of this means. Um, so I'm asking all these questions and everything. And she's really patient with me. And, you know, we get to step one. Um... And to me, it was like no question that I was like powerless because like I struggle with it today being powerless over certain things, people. But like back in that time period, I felt powerless over like everything. I didn't I didn't even have control like of my own emotions. I didn't have control of, you know, I didn't have any control of my life. I didn't have any control of, you know, the people around me. And I certainly knew that like, I couldn't, I tried stopping and I couldn't stop on my own. So like, yeah, sounds, sounds like I'm powerless. And she's like, good, check that one off the list. We'll keep going. Um, so, you know, we go, we go through the first three very important steps. Um, and, but you know, I feel like a lot of people skate through those because they're they're not they're not so much like the action steps, but they are like super duper important. Like you really got to get those into your brain. Like 
you got to be powerless and the power greater than yourself. I mean, like that's some really big groundwork uh, that I needed. And uh, I was like, okay, am I willing to believe that like there's a God that can restore me to sanity, I guess. And I'll call him God because like, that's what they told me in church, you know, 20 years ago, whatever. Um, so she's like, good, we'll check that one off the list. And I was like, okay. I was like, easy. This is so easy. I don't know why you guys all have a hard time with this. This is so easy. Um, and then she was like, oh yeah, by the way, like you have to have a relationship with that higher power. And I'm like, that's weird. Uh, she's like, no, no, no. You have to like pray and talk and, you know, like have a relationship with that higher power. And I was like, I don't know how to do that. And she was like, well, just like act like you're like talking to a friend. And I was like, okay. So I like weirdly would pray and, uh, it was super awkward at first. And she was told me that was something that, you know, you practice. Uh, so I just kept doing it. Felt weird, felt super unnatural, but I was just like, hey, this lady has like 10 years sober. She seems happy, says it in this big book that like, it's what everybody's doing in these rooms and they're all happy. So like, I might as well like try this. Um, so I just kind of like did whatever my sponsor told me to do. Um, I was just like, I don't know what to do. You tell me what to do. I'm gonna do it. Like it feels weird. It feels unnatural. I'm gonna do it. Like, doesn't matter. So that's what I did. I just kind of listened to my sponsor. She's like, you need to get a home group. You need to get a, you know, a service position you need to do on. I was like, okay. And I was like, this is really uncomfortable and weird for me, but like, I'm gonna do it. Cause like you said to do it and you know more than I do. Um, and so, you know, along the way I, I kind of did that at, I drug my feet on getting a home group. Cause I was like, I have to like talk to somebody to do that. I don't want to do that. Um, but, uh, you know, we kept going and, um, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. I had no idea what that meant. Um, I had no idea what that meant when I went through it the first time. But she was like, kind of explained it to me. She's like, listen, this isn't gonna work if you will it to work. This is not gonna go if like, you're like, this is how I wanna do it. And you know, I'm gonna try to control this and I'm gonna try to run this ship and you know, no, not going to play. And I was like, okay, like, sounds good. Like, I'll just try not to do that then. Take my will, God. Thank you. Bye. Um, I had no idea. My first time going through the steps, I really didn't know a whole lot about it. Um, I didn't understand it as completely as I did uh, now. But I just kind of, like, stuck with it. I trusted my sponsor. Um, and then, you know, I feel like those those first three really kind of, like, really solidified for me the further and further I got through the steps. Like I didn't have to have a complete 100% understanding of those first three. I just had to, um, you know, turn my will over to God. I was like, okay, I'm going to try that. I don't really know what that means, but like, I'm going to try it. Um, and, you know, that was a decision that I had to make and I just kind of, I just was like, okay, I'll just trust the process. I don't really get this a whole lot, but, um, gonna do it and then we got to the fourth step and like now it's time for me to do some work uh like actual on paperwork and um took me through the fourth step the way it is in the book real simple N nothing special about it literally you open up 
the book, it shows you exactly how to do it step by step. Um, some people have different ways of doing it. I think that's great. But like, I was like, we don't need to complicate this right now. I was like, let's right there. It's she's like, yeah, it's right there. And I'm like, cool, we'll do it that way. You know, so we did the, the parts, you know, I was writing down like all the shit that I had for years that I had been holding on to. It was relatively like simple because like I had had so many resentments over the years and I'd remembered all of them. I was like, I could probably rattle them off in a moment's notice. Um, and, you know, writing it down was not hard for me. Um, you know, all my fears, that was, wasn't hard for me. When I had to sit down and share that with my sponsor and my fifth step, that was hard for me. Um, Cause I, she was like, you need to be really honest on this fourth step. Like you can't leave anything out or like you're gonna relapse. And I was like, fuck, okay. Like I gotta put like some really, really dark stuff in here. Cause I was like, maybe I could just leave out like the really dark stuff. No, she's like, no, you can't do that. You can't leave out the dark stuff. And I'm like, okay, I won't leave out. So there had been things on my fourth step that I had never even like spoken into existence. Uh, like secrets that I had kept my entire life. Not even one person knew about it. Things that I had held on to. And I would never imagine speaking to another human being because of what they might think of me. Um, and I told her. Because uh, that's what she told me to do. And that's what the book told me to do. And that's what everybody else in these rooms did. And uh, they were happy. And they weren't high or drunk. And they were happy. So I was like, okay. So I did it. Um, and she didn't hate me. She still wanted to be my sponsor. Um, you know, she could look at me in the eyes afterwards. She didn't hate me. And uh, I don't know. I never... So my... Sponsor back then is not my sponsor now. Uh, I, I got a new sponsor uh, just for like a change of, you know, it was a little bit different, but uh, I will always, she always holds a really special place in my heart because like that was the first person that I ever fully trusted 100%. Um, and even when she wasn't my sponsor anymore, she didn't go around telling all my deepest, darkest secrets to anybody. Cause like that's, she, I just trusted her with everything I had. Uh, yeah. Um, so that was terrifying, but I felt great about it because, you know, I had this big fourth step and it had all this dark, awful stuff in it. And I was able to like, not only give that, like share that with another person, share some of that weight with another person, but like share that weight, like with like God. And, uh, that was like the first taste of like that relationship that I got, like, cause it wasn't just like me and my sponsor, like it was me, my sponsor and like God doing my fist up. Um, and that was where like, I really kind of got into the relationship. Cause I was like, I don't have to carry all that. I don't have to carry all that anymore. Uh, I can, I can give some of that up. And that's like when that, that third step really clicked for me. I was like, Oh shit, that's what that means. Um, and then, you know, I'm kind of running out of time here. Uh, so I'll just kind of like, mm. yeah. So um, we keep going through the steps and everything. Um, you know, you make the list of defects, had a ton of them. I still have a ton of them. They're not gone. 
Um, I still have some that like never went away from when like I first came in the rooms. Still have like some of those defects still walking around with me today. Um, but I'm not done yet. So there's always, always room for improvement there. Um, and ask God to, you know, remove those. Doesn't say he's going to, but I asked him to. <laughs> um, and then, you know, we went on to making the list and the amends that I had to make. Uh, that was a rough one, uh, but a super important one because um, I, had, I had done a lot of damage in my time, even though I didn't think I did a lot of damage. But when I sat down and I thought about it, I was like, you did a lot of damage. Uh, and mostly a lot of that damage was like hurting yourself so much that like you hurt the people that cared about you. Um, so, you know, I, I made some important amends and there were some amends where people were just like, yeah, that's awesome. Like, I'm glad to hear you're doing great. Like, keep going. And there were some amends where people were like, don't ever talk to me again. Um, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear your amends ever. And leave me alone for the rest of your life. You're trash. And that's okay. Uh, you know, those people don't have to listen to my amends. That's, I hurt them, you know, that's not... It's not their responsibility to be like, yo, I'll hear you out. Like, no, makes sense. Um, and those amends I still have written in a book, and I'm I'm ready to make those if I ever get that chance. Um, but I'm not gonna push it. I could keep knocking on somebody's door and be like, here are my amends. Um, it's not how it works. But I'm ready to make those if those people, you know, ever want to listen to them. And I feel like that's the that was the biggest point for me. Um, and then, you know, people say they live in 10, 11, and 12. Um, I try to. I do my best. I'm not perfect at this program. Uh, you know, to tell you that I sit down at night every night and I do, like, a fucking inventory would be a lie. Um, I try to do it as, as I'm living it, you know? Um, when I fuck up and I hurt somebody... I now, instead of just being like, nah, I don't think about it. Like, it's fine. I think about it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we should probably fix that. Uh, and sometimes you can't fix it. <laughs> uh, but at least I can, I can try to be like, yo, that was not great. Um, and then I try not to continue to fuck up. But, uh, but anyway, I'm running out of time. And I feel like I've been rambling this whole time. But I do want to touch on... Um, when I got through all 12 steps and I started to, uh, sponsor other young women, um, that 12 step is a big part of what continues to keep me sober. Um, and I am so blessed now to have my sponsor now who I don't call her enough and I should. And it's funny because like this, these past few weeks have been absolute trash for me and you know, I'm not telling anybody, I'm not talking to anybody certainly not calling my sponsor like I should be. And what do I know? She texted me the other day out of like literally probably like four months of us not talking. And she's like, hey, like I've just been thinking about you lately. And you know, I'm wondering how you're doing. And I'm like, okay, God, like I see you, I get it. Um, so that, that was really cool for me. Um, but I think it's so awesome that I get to work with like other young women and I get to you know, take them through the steps. And, you know, I just, 
I try not to make it too fucking complicated, you know? We got a book that tells us what to do. Um, you know, that's it. You know, it's... Some people, you know, it, there's a lot in this, in AA that's super important and service commitments that have like some complicated aspects to them and things. But when it's like somebody's like first time going through the steps, it's just like, let's just go through the book. And like, you're pretty much doing all the work. I'm just like here. I'm here to listen to that. Um, and like, I don't know. I remember when I worked with my sponsee and like we did her, uh, her fist step and I'm like, oh my God, like this bitch trusts me with like her deepest darkest secrets like that's amazing uh you know and and uh i only have one sponsee that i ever got through all 12 steps and um you know i was very grateful for that and it was such an amazing process to go through that with her and i'm going through the steps again now with my new sponsor and i've been dragging my feet on that fourth step uh, four years sober, I'm still dragging my feet on that fourth step, but, um, you know, I'm just really grateful to be here. I'm really grateful to be alive. I'm really grateful to have a relationship with my higher power. I'm really grateful for all the people in the rooms and that guy that shouldn't have been with me. That's my husband now. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah, so uh, that's not a success story either. That shit sucks. So if you're in early recovery, don't get in a relationship. That shit was awful. You can ask him. That was awful. I don't even know why we were together so long. Uh, but we're great now. It's all good now. We're both sober and, you know, relatively healthy. So, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah. That's not a success story, though, so don't take it that way, because that was rough on the both of us. You could ask Keegan about that. All right. Uh, well, that's it. I'm going to cut it here. Uh, thanks for letting me speak. Uh, yeah. Thanks for checking out this episode of the New Life Speakers Podcast. Please remember that our group is self-supporting through its seven tradition. Donations can be made by clicking the link on our website, newlifespeakers.org. Tune in next week for a new speaker, and thanks for listening.